When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Which guy are we talking about back in the way? Well, come to think of it, it's both guys. And they're warning the Atlanta dugout now. A helmet came flying out. Bobby Cox, I don't think, threw the helmet. One of his players did. But Bobby's jawing back at Joe West. But somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, oh. and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. <laughs> He's a strong man. Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "Why do you do?" Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Yeah. Just get over there and umpire. No. That's all. It's fifty-four sixty. The Joe West podcast. Here's Joe West and your host. Mike Claiborne. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of 5460, the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne. And Joe, welcome again, sir. We have a fun guest that I am anxious to talk about because we've heard him for so many years as a broadcaster. He's a former player. It's always great to welcome Ken, the Hawk Harrelson, to the podcast. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. I, I just, as I said earlier, I just can't wait to rip him apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about a couple of things right off the bat. Um, you were famous for your uh, your description of Joe with with, with respect to a, a balk or an alleged balk that kind of went viral and everybody in the world's heard about it. But you guys go way back, so tell us how you guys first connected. Well. Joe and I went at it for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, as I just said, you know, I, I finally, after about 30 years, I finally realized you don't mess with Joe West. It's just that simple. <laughs> and, uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. And then things changed when I found out we were in Texas, you know, and Steve Stone, who at that time was my uh, partner in the booth, and he said, this is Joe's uh, first game back. And I said, well, where the hell has he been? He said, well, he had a throat problem, you know, he had throat cancer and they fixed it and this is his first game back. So now I didn't know that. So as soon as the game was over, I didn't even take the elevator. I ran down to the umpire's room and I opened the door and they were just shocked to see me, you know. I said, where's Joe? And they said, he's back there in the shower. And so I went back there and there was Joe lathering up his face and he couldn't see and all of a sudden he rinsed it off and there I was and he said, a hawk. Man, that was the start of a, a relationship that I have really cherished over the years now because of the fact I found out besides being the best umpire in the game, that he's also a hell of a guy and a, a good golfer. You know, he, he doesn't hit it very far, but he hits it straight and he's really good around the greens. And we got to playing golf a little bit together. And, and since then it's just been, yeah, but I remember that Burley situation very, and I said it, and I meant it, to, and I mean it today. He wasn't well, going to talk on Burley. He was calling on Ozzy. I tell you what, Ken, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to play an excerpt of that particular day uh, where you were able to express your opinion. All right. Uh-oh. Yeah, he called the buck. And Mark Burley can't believe it because he's been using that move for as long as he's been in the league. For as long as he's been in the league, that's been very effective. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, why do you do? Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? <laughs> just get over there and umpire. No, that's all. Ozzy's coming out to talk with Joe, and what he's going to say is. Joe looks like he is looking for problems with us. Well, he's telling Ozzy, don't come out. He's going to throw Ozzy out of the game if he does. i tell you, the last couple of years, Mr. West has... Had some problems with the White Sox. Well, I'm, and now he's telling Ozzy to get, you, you know, he, he knew that he was going to throw he's, him he's out. A joke. He's up. becoming a joke is what he's doing. He's becoming a joke to the umpiring profession. Joe is, uh, oh, man. He's getting to be that. But you know, Hawk, yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf. There's a beautiful house right there. Joe and Ozzy. Yeah, well, you know, we had a meeting with uh, Jerry Reinsdorf over this exact situation. Joe Torrey uh, took a phone call from Jerry, and Jerry said that, um, you know, why is your guy picking on me? And I, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny you said that because Torrey said, well, if you got a problem with him, you talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> so, so we had this meeting and, and uh, it was a, it was a good meeting, you know, and I explained to, to Jerry, you know, that my responsibility was to the game of baseball. And that might not necessarily mean the, the commissioner's office. And my second responsibility is to the profession of umpires. And we had a, a long conversation and I said, and your third responsibility is to do what you know in your heart is morally honest and correct. And uh, I said, and, and he balked, and no one wanted to kick him out of the game because he was one of the fastest pitchers in the in the league. 
And in fact, when he threw the glove up in the air, Rob Drake was behind the plate. He said, no, Joe, don't, don't kick him out because <laughs> he had no plate. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, that, that situation is it's really funny. Every now and then I'll get a text message from Burley saying, how did you get that? You know, <laughs> and, and uh, one of the, one of the text messages was uh, the night I broke the record in Chicago. I got a text message. I had sent it to Burley said that I worked the all-star game and such and such. And then Burley said, why? Nobody wanted to work it that year. <laughs> so, but I know he was he was one of your favorite players because he, he'd get the ball and throw it. He, I think he was a quality pitcher. I think he's he's got Hall of Fame uh, credentials. And I, I think sooner or later he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be in, in my opinion, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, but he was – Besides, you know, of all the games, you know, you, you broke the record, but most games umpired, and I had over, I don't know, over four or 5,000 games broadcast. And my my favorite game was when he threw the perfect game because not so much that, you know, I, I telecast, I broadcast, I think, 11 or 12 no-hitters in, uh, in two perfect games. And if the guy is you know, an asshole, then you just, you know, say, pat him on the butt and uh, and after the game and say, nice going. But with a guy like Mark Burley, who is such a quality, a quality individual and a guy who epitomized pitching to me because he, you know, in his whole career, he never shook off a sign. He never shook off one sign in his whole career. And he got it, he threw it. And he was the joy for umpires because of the fact, you know, as you say, he was a quality pitcher and Hall of Fame credentials. And I've been doing everything I can to try to get him there because of the fact he deserves it. This episode is brought to you by CarShield, who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. CarShield is the number one auto protection company in the U.S. and offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic, and CarShield's administrators handle all the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or the headaches you're taken care of. The same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include coast-to-coast -coast roadside assistance. CarShield administrators are there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. Get coverage today and you'll lock up your price now and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs, and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Well, you know, Mike, I asked you about our, our first uh, encounter. Um, I actually worked the World Series in 2005 that the White Sox won in four games, which is one of my favorite World Series because it only lasted four games. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but uh, you had a quality team that year. And I can remember Sean Fister 
you had met him somewhere on a golf course or something. And he was at your house and uh, he said that he knew me and you both picked up the phone and called me on the other side of town here. And uh, it was funny because the relationship you had with Sean Fisher. So, so that Mike knows who we're talking about. He's a long drive champion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but uh, it, it was funny that I get this call out of the blue and who's on the other end of the line with Paul Carrollson. And then, uh, you know, of course, your team won the World Series and you're praising me for everything I'd done as an umpire. And then, and then I have this Mark Burley situation and I need to be suspended. <laughs> and uh, but the story you told about the, the throat cancer, that was that made me feel good that you came down and checked them out. Uh, I can't repeat the language that you used, but you did. Oh, say, go ahead, Joe. It's a podcast. You can say anything you want to say. <laughs> he came in. He came don't in the shower. Don't do it. <laughs> he said, "You can do this. You can do that. You can fight me. You can hate me, but don't you die on me, you son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That's, uh, well, we've been friends ever oh. since. And, and the funny thing was that you sent a picture of me and you at a golf course. And Reinsdorf, you sent it to Jerry Reinsdorf, and he said, here I am thinking Hawk hated you, and you're in the picture with him. <laughs> you know, hey, Hawk, you've been doing Jerry this a long a, time. Jerry, Jerry sent a copy of that picture to everybody in the front office. <laughs> Hawk, you've been doing this a long time. You're a fourth Frick Award winner in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, what do you enjoy about the game today? The game itself. Uh, and same thing for Joe. You don't you don't umpire more games than anybody in the history. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the biggest quality he had was two two qualities. First of all, to me, the, the mark of a good umpire. You know, you're always going to miss every uh, pitch here and there. You know, especially I, I don't like the TV where they they show the the pitches, and I don't like as much uh, replays they're showing. The Joe control the game, and that to me is the mark of a great umpire. Uh, Nestor Shylock, way going way back in the way back machine, Nestor did the same thing. Nestor give you a beef, and Joe give you a beef too, as long as you didn't get it out of hand. And Nestor would give you the beef, and uh, but they control the game. You you never see games get out of hand with Joe West or, or Nestor Shylock. And then the second quality is the fact that he was just a, a great umpire. And I told people, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, if I had to have one guy behind the plate for my family's life, it would be Joe West. Because I'll tell you one thing right now, he didn't miss many. And he will tell you today, he didn't miss any. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? While we got you here on the phone, I need you to tell the story about the time uh, you played golf all day and you weren't expected to play in the lineup. And uh, you came to a game <laughs> on the lineup and uh, your hands were, were blistered from playing 36 holes of golf. And you were playing the Yankees, if I remember. So I'm going to let you tell that story because this is, this is a yeah, unique story. Huh? I was a kid and I was platooning and uh, the Yankees were supposed to pitch it. A right-hander named Jim Coates, and I wasn't going to play. So uh, Ted Bosfield and I played uh, Sammy Esposito and, and Gino Simoli, 
uh, we played 36 holes of golf because, you know, the minimum salary back in those days was $6,000. And I actually made more money playing golf, arm wrestling, and shooting pool than I did playing Major League Baseball. <laughs> so we, we, we got to the ballpark, and the Yankees had switched. They're going to pitch Whitey Ford. And I'm in there. I'm hitting third. And uh, I remembered, I was taking batting practice. I remembered I had my jeans and my golf club up in the clubhouse. So when the game started, I hit in the bottom of the first inning and I went up and got the uh, golf club. And it was the flaming red golf club. And don't you know Whitey hung me a curveball and I hit it over that 421 sign out there in Kansas City. And then I came up later in the game and I think it, I think the guy's name was, uh, anyway, I hit one off him as well. And the next day, all the Yankees, you know how they had to come down from the clubhouse and then up you know, over third base, and they came walking down onto the field, and they all had red golf gloves on. Mickey had them go out, the guy go out and buy a couple of dozen, and that's that's how it got started. And it was, uh, but Mickey, you know, I, there was another guy that I just loved, and we all loved. I played against Mickey these last six years, and I played against him the last game he played, and that was at Fenway Park in 1968. And we knew it was going to be his last game, so he didn't start. And then, I don't know, about the sixth, seventh inning, Hauk sent him up to pinch hit. And I'm in right field, and I'm crying like a baby. And I look over at Yaz and left, and, and, and Yaz was pretty, you know, he, he wasn't an emotional guy, but he was crying as well. And Mickey just didn't know how much we loved him. And, uh, you know, you got icons in baseball. you got the Mantles, you know, you got the Musials, you got the Drysdales, you got the Joe West. And, and these guys will always be remembered, you know, and, and that's what baseball to me is about. That's why, you know, it's, it's the most beautiful game in the world. They, are, they say, Hawkey, you've been in it, you know, for all parts of eight decades, which I have. And, and, and they say, you're an expert. And I said, wait a minute, let me tell you something. There are no experts in baseball. There are no experts in the game of baseball. I'm certainly not one. And what happens is, you know, it's the only game we know that when you're on offense, the other team controls the ball. And, and uh, it's not played against the clock. So, you know, and you never know what happens. Look what happened the other day with us. We were leading 8-2 to two going to the ninth inning, and we wound up losing the game. And that's the reason that uh, baseball has it's got its memories, it's got its heroes. And, and believe it or not, uh, Mantle was my first hero. And Ted Williams, you know, he was something special, too, because of the fact that, and you should, Joe, you should have seen his golf swing. I mean, he could really, he had a beautiful swing in baseball, and he had a beautiful swing in golf. And uh, But his temper was such uh, that he, you know, he just couldn't handle a game of golf. Like, I couldn't either. I had a bad temper. And I'd go out with 14 clubs, and I'd come back with a seven or eight. And you can't beat those seven or eight clubs. They're too good. But uh, when you get these icons that we have, and uh, Joe will be in Cooperstown, and uh, and we, it's just it's just a wonderful game. As I said, there are no experts. There are no experts in the game. The game, and that's why that's the hallmark of a great umpire for me, is controlling the game. It's just like a manager. The way I judge a manager is not by wins and losses. I judge by how hard his, player, his players play for him. 
Do they, they bust their ass down the line on a ground ball to short or second base? Do they bust their ass down the line on a pop-up? And if they do that, I don't care what the record is, you're looking at a pretty good manager. And the same way with umpires. If they can't control a game, and there's, there's some guys out there who can't do it, and Joe knows that, but they, they can't control a game. The game controls them. And when, when something pops up, you got to be able to get in there <clears throat> stop it. And, and when, as I said, <laughs> first two rules in baseball for me, well, you got to catch the ball. Don't mess with Joe West. <laughs> hey, hey, Hawk, you, you had a great career as a player, but a, a great career as a broadcaster. Where did you have the most fun at? Well, as a player, certainly playing with the Red Sox, uh, when we w- went to the World Series and and then we got beaten seven games, give us some, Gibson beat us three times, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, I hated Gibson. A lot of guys did because, you know, he had this intimidation factor uh, about him, and uh, he had pitched, I don't know, close to 300 innings that year. And we get to the seventh game, and I'm hitting clean up against him. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, the first pitch he throws me is a sinker. So I back out of the box. I said, what the hell is this? He don't throw sinkers. Next pitch is another sinker. Now it's 0-2. Then he strikes me out with a, that wicked slider he had. And I'm going back to the dugout and I pass Rico, who was going to hit. And I said, Rico has lost his fastball. And the reason being, you know, is, is Joe, I'm, I'm pretty sure, we, he, we never talked about this, but I'm pretty sure he feels the same. I don't blame the players because this is the only thing. But you get guys today, they want to go four or five innings. And if they get the lead, they want out of there. And it's a game run primarily by agents today. I mean, agents, they control. You know, last year, Scott Morris, his, his uh, salary, I mean, his stable, their combined salaries was a billion, two hundred million. And when you get guys like that, at one time, I, when I signed with the Red Sox, I was the highest paid player at $150,000 a year. And today they're making 30 and 40. As I said, I don't blame the guys because this is the only thing they know. But we used to call them five and flies, these pitchers. Uh, you know, uh, they get out there and they go five innings. And if they had to lead, you know, all of a sudden they start pinwheeling their shoulder. You know, it's a little ouchy. And now if they do that today, the, uh, the agents call them after the game, how you feel? Well, I'm sore. And they say, well, go on a 10-day deal. <laughs> and I'll tell you that uh, when they baseball made a mistake when they put in instituted that ten day deal, because these agents I told a couple of owners I said these agents are going to weigh their ass out with that ten day deal, and they have done it. Joe, you know what? There's a lot of great things about people who drink coffee, but guess what? We found something that will soothe everybody's palate when it comes to having a good cup of coffee. Yeah, this new company that's helping us sponsor this podcast is called Trade Coffee, and they design the coffee to your individual taste. I can remember traveling across the country doing umpiring all over the country, and the coffee's different everywhere you go. The coffee in Seattle is different than the coffee in Atlanta. And I, I think the good thing about this is Trade Coffee makes your coffee so that you like it, and it's like your choice in, of how you want it to taste. And, you know, one of the things I noticed about Trade Coffee is the fact that they've tested over 450 roasts. 
So they know exactly what they can recommend for you. And that's something I don't think anybody else has even thought about. A, 450 different tests. And B, you can have something that fits what you like compared to what you're being poor because somebody else likes it. Look, they've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. You can't do any better than that. Hey, how about the fact that you just said deliver? Trade coffee can be delivered to you instead of you having to go out and search for it. And I think that really solves a lot of problems for people because in some cities, you may be able to find a certain coffee. In other cities, you can't. But with trade coffee, all you have to do is get it delivered to you and you're set. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash Joe West. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. And you can get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash Joe West, and then they'll let Trade Coffee find the coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash Joe West for $30 off. How about that? Trey Coffee, everybody. You'll love it. Joe, I got to tell you, it's great to have the workout anytime on board 5460 as one of our sponsors. Many of our listeners already know that workout anytime as their hometown club where they can work out on their schedule 24-7. Others might be aware that workout anytime is a great business opportunity as well. That's right, Mike. Workout Anytime is one of the top 200 fastest growing franchises in the country. And they've been at this for more than 20 years. And they're currently in 22 different states. And they're internationally in Honduras and Costa Rica. How about that? You know what? Opening up a gym is becoming a real big part. How about $30 billion in health and fitness industry is what you're talking about this year. Never has it been any easier to invest in Workout Anytime franchise. Joe, you know you and I or one in five American adults that have a fitness membership? Yeah, I did know that. As a matter of fact, and I'm told that number is expected to nearly double in the next 10 years. I know these folks that work out anytime, and I have known them for a long time. They're so passionate about the industry, and their franchises rave about the support that they give the company. Well, here's a great business tip. Go to WorkoutAnytimeFranchise.com and learn more. And while you're there, you can see the map of available locations and find out how you can arrange an initial phone conversation to hear more about the proven Workout Anytime business model. That's WorkoutAnytimeFranchise.com. Well, you know, I, I go back to your statement that you made about you made more money shooting pool and playing golf and arm wrestling. And I remember that... Uh, we came over this restaurant downtown Orlando. It was Dewey's place that he had over there on uh, Sand Lake Road. And Dewey called you and you guys, you, you, you were out with your wife and he called you and you came by to say hello and everything. And uh, of course, Greg Bonet had never met you before. So he was, he was excited to meet you. And, uh, and then you, you went into the story about when I started that, I made more money shooting pool and arm wrestling and playing golf. And I was being a real smart ass. I said, yeah, and you probably should have, cause I saw you play. <laughs> <laughs> and it started from there, but Hawks friend Dewey uh, was a, a world series of poker player and, uh, and a pretty good golfer. Uh, I mean, a damn good golfer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
And you, you, know, you, you really pissed me off that night because <laughs> with my beautiful wife, Eris, and when I said, Eris, I want you to meet, uh, meet Joe West, and you looked at her and said, Madam, you have my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, when I met Rita, I told her, I said, Rita, you got my condolences. <laughs> I told Joe this morning, though, he's a piece of work, I'll tell you. He, uh, he and Doyle Brunson, I mean, they control, they were the two kings, so to speak, of uh, poker. High oh, yeah. In fact, Dewey, yeah, won, uh, one year, I'm not going to mention who, who beat him, but Dewey lost $7 million on Mother's Day uh, to this guy on the golf course. And so when he came home, I said, what happened? He said, well, I'll tell you what happened, Hawk. He said, I found out one thing. The moral of the story is don't play golf on Mother's Day. <laughs> he lost seven million to this guy. Yeah. He, he, he won a lot of money, uh, and he still plays poker. And I, every Friday, I'll see him Friday. The reason he called me he wanted to have lunch today, and I told him I've had to go on the show with you. He says good. So uh, I go to Orange Tree every Friday because they got the best clam chowder in, in Florida. And we have uh, lunch every Friday together over there. I haven't, I don't play anymore. I, I haven't played golf in over three years now. And but I had my day, you know. I won some tournaments and uh, played in the major in the British Open, and and uh, was very fortunate in that respect. But uh, as I said, bad temper and golf just don't go together. <laughs> hey, Hawk, as a broadcaster, you had a lot of fun in the booth. You've had great followings over the years, and you've come up with some turns and some things that people continue to listen to and appreciate. Uh, when did that all come together for you? Well, you know, I've got some great advice from uh, Howard Cosell when I started in 1975, and, and, uh, and Howard called me up. He says, I want to talk to you. I'm coming to Boston to do a game, and I want to talk to you. And uh, um, we sat down before the game, and he, he wanted me to come do some ABC games with him. And I said, no. He says, why? I said, because, Howard, you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he, he gave me some great advice, and he said, this is the best advice you'll ever get. He says, don't try to please everybody because you can't. It is impossible. And especially in a two-team city, you know, when you've got the Sox and the Cubs and the Yankees and basically the Mets and the Red Sox, that's like a three-team city there. If you try to please everybody, you, you, he said, those guys don't last very long. And I get a couple of hundred letters usually every year from aspiring young broadcasters and college getting ready to come out and try to pursue it. And if it's well composed, well written, and they left a phone call number there, I'll call them back most of the time and talk to them. And the first thing I tell them is, don't try to please everybody because you can't. It's just impossible. And it's the same thing for the Cub, you know, announcers. Uh, but Harry and I didn't really care about that because of the fact he was uh, the greatest compliment you could pay me was, was calling me a homer because I wanted the White Sox to win as much as anybody, including the players. And uh, when uh, Joe Cole walks like that, that really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you should. I think you should talk about 
your influence with Don Drysdale because I know Don had a had a place in your heart, uh, and you you did a lot of games with Don, didn't you? Yeah, that's the saddest thing I've ever had to say over the air was Jack Gould, one of the partners in the White Sox, came in the booth. I don't know what inning it was, about the fifth. And he whispered in my ear during the break, he said, Don's gone. He passed away up in Montreal. And he had a heart problem that he never talked to me about. And uh, Don and I had, I learned so much from broadcasting about him because of the fact you let the game dictate. You don't dictate the game. People don't, people, people don't, you know, turn into a baseball game to listen to the announcers. They turn in to watch baseball because they're baseball fans. And Drysdale knew it. He was he's the best baseball announcer I've ever heard. He had great pacing. Uh, and we've got some great announcers out there today. But Don and, and Euchre was terrific at that. You know, doing a doing a one nothing, two one, three two game, uh, those are the easy ones to do. And that's why, you know, that I always said that West was the best. In, in handling those close ball games. Now, if the game gets out of hand, it's 11 and nothing in the sixth inning or, or 12 to two, you know, in the eighth, those are the ones that you have to, you know, be creative a little bit to try to hold the audience for the, uh, for the sponsors. And Euchre today is the best at that. You know, you got Tom Hamilton, who's a great uh, announcer for Cleveland, one of the most exciting announcers in the game. And, uh, you know, there are so many good ones out there. And there are some that I just don't enjoy uh, listening to because of the fact that they're trying to control the content. And, and you can't do that as an announcer. Hey, Hawk, when you look at the game today, who, who's the best player out there right now? I'll tell you, there's so many good players out there. Yeah, there's another thing. <clears throat> and, and Joe knows this as well. I was just a little above average player uh, and guys today uh, who are a little above average so much better than I was and guys of my ilk, so to speak, than we were. And it's mainly because of the Latin influx, you know, uh, the Latins, if you notice when they have a dugout shot, most of the time you're seeing guys have fun over there. They're Latins. Uh, our guys think too much mechanics and analytics uh, uh, where the Latin players, they, they see ball, they hit ball. They're not worried about swing angles and exit velocities and stuff like that because that's not the way they come up. Our kids come up from high school, even before that. And you got the two in, in young amateur baseball, to me, the two most uh, troublesome things in baseball first of all parents i mean parents really you know they push their kids and i always tell them let them have fun that's the thing and the latins have fun when they play the game as i said they see ball they hit ball and and uh, and the next thing is is that you get coaching because of the fact and you got to have somebody to coach them though and and god bless these parents who get out there and coach them but they're still vicariously coaching through major league umpires and they've got these young kids uh, thinking about it and then all of a sudden if they're if they're uh, pro quality type uh, potentials then all of a sudden the agents come into play and once they get into play then uh, it, it 
changes everything. Hold, changes the whole dynamic of the game. I wish they just make some rule changes. Uh, I really do. Uh, you know, like I told Joe. You know, we had a young center fielder uh, named Ralph Gar, and they used to play some games out in Anaheim, uh, starting at five o'clock. And so. Nolan Ryan was starting this game at five o'clock out there in Anaheim, and Ralph Guard never faced him. And so he's walking up and down the dugout before the game. He's telling the guys, oh, "Look, I heard this guy's overrated." He said, you "Just let me get a base hit or let me walk, and then y'all find a way to get me around, and we'll beat this guy." So he goes up there, leading off the ball game, and Nolan's out there taking his warm-up tosses. And the first pitch he throws him is a hundred and one right here. Well, guard it and move. Next pitch he throws him is 101 right here. Now it's strike two. Next pitch he throws him is 102. Grab some bench. So all of a sudden now, guard goes back to the dugout and puts his helmet in the rack, his bat in the rack. And he says, boys, this ball game is over. Stuck out about 15 or 16 that game, gave up two little broken bad singles. But there's so many great, you know, there's so many great antics. And, and, I, and I've got to say that in my time as a player, we had fun and we respected, we respected the game, you know. Uh, and today it's, it's changed. The codes have changed a lot because of the fact, you know, if you had a if you had a seven-run lead going into uh, the seventh or eighth inning, and, and uh, you you didn't want to steal bases or you didn't you know want to hit three old home runs because of the fact, uh, but today it has changed, and and I really believe that they do use two different different kinds of baseball. They use I, I believe they use a, 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 a and the way you can tell is about the scenes. And Joe knows that he, when you first started, the seams were about, you know, about this, this big, you could put your finger there, you get, you know, some spin on that curveball or slider. And it was easier on your elbow for these pitchers. And today they're wound so tight that these guys are having to work so much. And that's why you're seeing so many Tommy John surgeries is because this the breaking ball is just wearing their elbow out. Uh, and I really believe that for, television, national television games, they do use a, a lighter ball. And even the players are starting to talk about it now. Uh, and, and, and the ball, you know, defense wins games and, and offense puts asses in seats. And uh, that's, I think that's the theory that's going on. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners what you told me about the all-natural B1 sports performance and wellness patch that's revolutionizing sports nutrition. Fans, there's no more sugary energy drinks or extra caffeine for an energy boost. The B1 patch is fast-acting, it's body heat activated, and proudly made here in the United States. It's a must-have if you're out on the golf course or on the go or just patching up your future major leaguers. Feel good about using this 100% all-natural B1 patch from USA National Patches. It's easy to apply, worn by over 200 athletes, and is the official patch of 78 Division I schools. And, Mike, I personally used the B1 patch for years. 
and they've made a, a real difference in my life. Visit buyb1.com and enter the code umpire to buy B1 and get one free. I really want you to try these and I want all our listeners to try it. You'll be glad you did. It's the B1 patch. Don't compete without it. That's buyb1.com. Enter the code umpire and buy one and get one free. Well, I, I think the that theory itself is why there's a DH in both leagues because the DH was basically put in the American League originally so that guys like Yastrzemski and Mantle would play a couple more years. And uh, But Mantle was already gone by then. Uh, but, but they put it in because the National League was drawing more fans than the American League. And uh, I it, touching on the fact that you said uh, there's more Tommy John surgeries, uh, the fact that they have DH in the, in the lineup means that when you get to the fifth and sixth inning, they're, the guys like Billy Martin and Earl Weaver didn't take their pitchers out of the game. They left them in there because they didn't have to pinch hit for the pitcher when he batted. And uh, so I, I think the DH is, has hurt the pitching also. I don't think the DH helps the pitching. And you say, well, they, they don't have to bat. Well, okay. But if you told Don Drysdale he wasn't – going to hit in the ball game, he'd have been mad. If you tell Madison Bumgarner, I'm not going to hit in the ball, he'd be mad. And it shows that Otani, the kid, the Japanese kid, can actually play and hit at the same time. It's, it's, uh, I think it's been a bad rule from the beginning. I've never seen where it put more seats in the stand. I mean, more people in the seats. Um, so I never did like the DH for a, a number of reasons. One was – that the pitcher doesn't have to bat. He's got open season to throw at the hitters because he doesn't come to bat. And uh, if you look at uh, Roger Clemens, when he pitched in the American League, he was a headhunter. He'd throw at his mother. And when he got traded to Houston, he didn't hit anybody all year. So it, it makes a difference. And, and I think uh, you talk about some rule changes. I think that was a bad rule change. I agree with you 100%. And, I, you know, I was an offensive player. But the thing is, is that, first of all, Roger Clemens, I never I never faced him because I was older than him, and he came along later. But to me, the best pitcher I've ever seen was Roger Clemens. And as you said, he would take care of – he was a two-for-one guy like Drysdale. He wanted his guys to even get two of yours. And, and – uh, there's some umpires who just, you know, I know the rules say that uh, you can throw out anybody anytime if you think it's intentional. But there's sometimes, and I'm sure Joe has been in that situation where you just had to let the other guy get drilled because of the fact that, you know, they were drilling this other particular team. But uh, there are some guys like that. And uh, the, but, but as I say, the best I've ever seen was Roger Clemens. I faced Colfax in spring training, you know, and I faced Drysdale in the All-Star game. And I faced uh, a lot of – Gibson was a great player. I, I mean, great pitcher. And he had that that moniker, so to speak, of being a headhunter. But the funny thing about it was is that he, he was more tougher on African-American hitters than he was on Caucasian hitters. And uh, he, he, those guys control the game. And when, 
you're going to the ballpark. To me, that's one of the most important times of the day for a player. Let's say we're going to face uh, Koufax. Ted Williams gave me some great advice on that. He said, Hawkinses, you know, there are going to be days when you step in that batter's box. That guy 60 feet, six inches away is going to be better than you because he's a major league pitcher. And if he hits his spots, you're going to go for four. And he was right. And at one time, you know, when I'd strike out or whatever, I'd go back and I'd tear up the dugout. I'd bust my helmet, break my bat. And I finally learned how to take an 0 for 4 because you're going to have 0 for 4s with those great pitchers. You've got to give them their due. And uh, the ones who today, I mean, most of the time we would face a pitcher in game three, four times. As Joe mentioned, these guys would go out there, they'd go eight or nine innings. And uh, today, you're liable to go to the plate five times and face five different pitchers. And I don't care. I don't care personally how long a game takes because it's baseball and I understand it and I love it. And uh, I've talked to so, so many fans who feel the same way because they're, they're baseball fans. And if the game, we used to get upset a little bit if the game went over two hours. And today, uh, you know, you got games going three hours, three hours and 20 minutes. And, and uh, there's so much bitching and moaning about it. And the only way they're going to ever be able, in my opinion, is, the, you know, speed up the games is with the umpires. Umpires, if they don't want, <laughs> they can draw that game out and, and make it a long game or they can make it short. And actually, the better the pitching, the quicker the game. And uh, I agree with you about the DH. Uh, and in fact, I, I don't think, you know, when you, I think Killebrew's name really came up uh, in that name uh, of being one of the first DHs. And the reason was keep the great players in the game longer. Well, usually, if that's the case, these guys are, are declining in their declining years. And, and uh, I think that's a rule change now. I'm glad to see the National League getting. I'm glad to see both leagues playing in this, with the same rules. But uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's just I, – I just don't understand some of the rules that they come up with, uh, you know, like extra innings, single man at second base with uh, nobody out. Uh, I've played in some games with 22, 23 innings. Uh, and the thing about it is they're usually, obviously very close games. So players don't mind that that much because of the fact uh, <coughs> they get a quick game in under two hours and uh, get home to their families or wherever they are. But uh, it's still to me, you know, I was a great basketball player and I played uh, – signed a football scholarship to go to the University of Georgia and uh, played a lot of golf. And so I've, I've been around the, the, that whole circle, so to speak, of, uh, of athletics and athletes. And the best athlete I've ever seen uh, was Bo Jackson. I mean, Bo was just something special. and one of the funniest guys you ever want to be around. But uh, overall, none of them can touch the game of baseball. The game of baseball is beautiful. 
Well, the, the uniqueness of the game is, is special. You got to hit a round ball with a cylindrical bat, and then you got to hit it square, and then you got to hit it where they can't catch it. <laughs> so, That's what Ted said. That's what Ted always said. Because Ted was taking lessons from Bob Tosky, which I was, when I retired from baseball, I was working with, with Tosky as well. And, and Ted, boy, you're talking about a temper. Tosky said he went out and played one day, and they came back, and they were down at Ocean Reef. And there was a little pack of the pro shop there. Ted took his clubs off and threw it right in the middle of the pond. <laughs> don't get those damn clubs <laughs> leave them alone but hey. uh, Ted said the same thing he said baseball is the toughest game uh, because of hitting a, a round ball with a round optic and you've got to hit it square oh, now in retrospect I'm seeing the sports today are just so tough I never cared about tennis and, and all that stuff and and uh, my wife plays tennis three or four times a week. And I started watching tennis uh, because of that. And uh, I think tennis, I think tennis is, is, is a tougher game than baseball as far as the play. Uh, I don't think it's as beautiful, uh, but I think it's a tougher game. And uh, all, all the sports, look at basketball. Basketball, these players are so good in football. These players are so good, and, and we're, in a, we're in a great, precious time for, for athletics in our country. Uh, and I think, as I said, some of the worst rules that we have are in our game of baseball. Guys, it's time to bring that summer heat back into the bedroom. That's right. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet and at the fraction of a cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of our licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the United States and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Yeah, it's time to get off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, you need BlueChew.com. Women say there's nothing sexier than confidence. And Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you can benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Joe West at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Joe West, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com. For more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Hey, Hawk, you mentioned Bo Jackson being one of the funniest guys. You, you played in an era where there were a lot of guys who really enjoyed themselves on and off the field. Who was who somebody that comes to mind for you that you really enjoyed being around that made you laugh? Oh, Euchre. <laughs> <laughs> Euchre. <laughs> 
if we weren't on air, I could tell you some stories that you just wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you had to see it to believe it. <laughs> but you could, did I tell you that story? We were doing a game in, uh, in Milwaukee, Drysdale and I, and the booths there are really small, and, and our booth was so small you couldn't get a camera in there. So we had to go downstairs to the writer's level, and they had a camera set up right underneath Euchre's booth. So we're going to get a uh, – uh, Don was the announcer. Jim Angio was our producer-director, and we were running a little short on time. So uh, Don starts off. He said uh, – Angio says, all right, take one, three, two, one. Drysdale goes, we're coming to you from County Stadium in Milwaukee. Where tonight? Here's <coughs> we look up and there's Euchre. He's pointing to his throat. So that happens, you know, when we no problem. Now Angel says, take two, three, two, one. Drysdale. We're coming to you from County Stadium in Milwaukee. <coughs> Here's Euchre. And now Don and Jim Angio are getting a little pissed off. And he said, all right, look, we got to get this thing done. It's going to be take three, three, two, one. Drysdale goes, we're coming to you from County Stadium in Milwaukee. And all of a sudden we hear this, we look up and there's Yuka with a jock strap over his face. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, Dread broke good drives the all up. That's the most I've ever seen him laugh. And all of a sudden, Yuke says, well, Don't worry, boys. I haven't used this one that much. <laughs> hey, Hawk. Joe, you know, Joe and myself have been so fortunate to have a whole career. You know, Joe's been in the game for so long. You don't, you don't break that record that he did of umpiring more games than anybody in the history unless you're great. You, I'm not talking about good. You, you can't do that if you're just good. You have to be great to hold that record. And as I said earlier, that's the reason Joe's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Hey, well, Hawk, on that note, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, it's been a blast just hearing the stories and certainly uh, following your career over the years. And for you to join us, uh, we really appreciate it. And, Joe, I know you have some words for him. Yeah, oh, this is a, it's been a pleasure. And... Uh, through the ups and downs and all around, you, you've been a, a treasure for baseball your entire life. And, uh, and like I said, uh, uh, you had to make more money arm wrestling and shooting pool and playing golf because I, I did see you play. So, <laughs> but, but I love you. You're you bad. You know, you're terrible. <laughs> Ken Hawk Harrelson, he is our guest, and we thank him for joining us on another edition of 5460, the Joe West Podcast. So for Joe and Ken, I'm Mike Claiborne. Thank you for checking us out again. We'll be back next week with another edition of 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. 
If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West podcast here on the Podcast Heat Network. Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week. She's checking all the signs While I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes It's fouling up my nerve Watching all these curves Remembering what she said to me And if I get caught looking It's gonna be strike three If you cheat on me You'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field You're gonna be long gone better play it safe and don't do me wrong cause if you cheat on me well you'll be out at home if you cheat on me you'll be out at home if i catch you playing the field you're gonna be long gone you better play it safe and don't do me wrong cause if you cheat on me Well, you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home